Welcome back to Touch Podcast. This is Ryan. This is Nate. And this is Shannon. And this is the continuation of our conversation where in the last episode we were taking letters out of the mailbag talking about the ethics of swinging, clothing optional clubs, and polyamory, which has led us down a a trail of scary topics, at least for me. Uh, But we're having a lot of fun and this conversation is continuing with uh, lots of storytelling and advice, three distinct perspectives on topics on sex that we're talking about. And so we're we're jumping right back into it. Yeah. There was no relationship that could break, that could fall apart as a result of this experiment. Because we reached the extent of what we were, which is actually a really good friendship. And so... So this was yeah. after you guys had kind of decided that you were no longer going to stay married. Is that what you're saying? Correct. This was after... That's a really important distinction. Because what I what I heard you saying, I wanted to ask for your clarification to make sure I interpreted it correctly, is that you were trying to you you were looking to other people to fill the void that the two of you were unsuccessful in filling for one another. Correct. Yeah. So the couple who's hearing this conversation between the three of us, mm-hmm. I, I mean personally, I just want to put in like not really a disclaimer, but an encouragement that I think that God's intention is two people in a monogamous sexual relationship simply because things can get really chaotic and crazy when you start putting other people in the mix. Um, So I don't want people to think that we think that swinging and having sex outside of a healthy marriage relationship is something, or I I, I just have to only speak for me. I can't recommend it. I have seen too many couples come into my office either a wreck because they've done something like that and they can't seem to go back to that place where it was just the two of them with just natural, organic, healthy, beautiful, passionate sex. Or they're kind of like the couple that I dealt with recently in that one of them is gung ho to try this and doesn't understand why the other one's being such a stick in the mud and such a prude or whatever. Not that this guy was thinking that toward his wife. He was actually very pleased that his wife was so hot and seemed amiable to so many different things. But this was the one thing that she just couldn't get on board with. But again, it freaked her out that he wanted something besides her. And Mm -hmm. I think that the real tension comes from when one of you wants to do something like that and the other one doesn't. And how, how do you reconcile that? So Ryan, I see you're bobbing your head. What are your thoughts? Yeah, no, I was just thinking, I think the, the broader question is for couples is, what if I want to uh, try something or do something and how do I bring that up with my partner and start a conversation about that, that I suspect he or she is going to find to be weird <laughs> or out of, out of bounds um, initially. And then, and then I think the, the, for me, the other question is, I, I think that the distinction that you all just made was, um, those are two very different conversations. Um, the first conversation being um, our marriage is not going well. Um, what if we just start having sex with other people? That's a different conversation than um, our, our marriage is going great. We have lots of great sexual energy. We're intimate on lots of levels. And... Um, 
and we and we and one of us or both of us have this fantasy of bringing in another person. I'm not saying that e- either of those are wrong. I'm not saying the second is better than the first, but they are definitely different kinds of situations, right? That's a, right. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, in, in mm-hmm. any time you have two people and they're not on the same page and somebody decides to move forward, I mean, they're, they're sabotaging the relationship. So um, on any, on really on anything, but particularly around sexual stuff, right? If, yeah, if somebody barrels forward, you're, you're just basically saying, you're just basically crapping all over the relationship to say, eh, my pleasure and interests are more important than the, the relationship, so. What's the difference between an extramarital affair and a polyamorous experimentation? Is is the same? It has the same impact. Um, I encourage people who have this fantasy of a th- either a threesome or an orgy or swinging a foursome or whatever that you really need to look at. What does it represent to you? What does this represent to you? What what situation are you trying to recreate in order to win this time? How are you trying to regain a sense of power or acceptance? or you know whatever it is i mean it, it, there's a whole gamut of possibilities but often what i learn is that when people bring to me this the issues that they struggle with what they're tempted by there's often a corollary between how many children were in their family and what their fantasy is so for example if they fantasize about a threesome i will often find out that they had two siblings if they fantasize about a foursome, I often find out that they had three siblings. You, you kind of get what I'm saying. Hmm. Is that mm-hmm. oftentimes it's it's an attempt to recreate some sort of dynamic that they felt as a child, or like um, the fantasy of an orgy of just one big you know free for all. I will usually find out, and I can declare this across the board that their their home life as a child was very chaotic. That there was just oh. a lot of fussing and fighting and, and just a lot of crossfire. So you can mm-hmm. envision that a, an orgy is the exact opposite of a chaotic family with a bunch of crossfire because in the crossfire family, everybody's hating on each other. And in the orgy fantasy, everybody's loving on each other, <laughs> but it doesn't mm-hmm. heal. Like acting those out does not heal that pain from the childhood. It's like, I, I really want people to understand that, that, or fantasies are not a roadmap to future fulfillment. It's a roadmap of your rocky past. Seeing a counselor and dealing <laughs> with the rocky past is a far more effective strategy than going and finding a bunch of people who would be willing to be sexual with you outside of your marriage or involving your marriage partner. And I think that one of the most hollow, and I'll end with this note, one of the most hollow uh, types of individuals that I deal with in the workshops are women who are people pleasers mm. who went along with what their husbands wanted because she thought that that was the way to keep him quote happy close quote, but it didn't seem like enough was ever enough. It always, he always needed more. He kept escalating it. Yes. More and more edgy and more and more dangerous and more and more, um, you know, scandalous or whatever. And that she has just wore herself out trying to be his dream lover and let him do whatever he wants to do. And she has become literally a hollow shell of a person. Mm. Oh no. Yeah. And for that reason, that that's the reason that I get really uncomfortable with these conversations is, is that I just have seen what it does to people. And I don't, I wouldn't wish that on anyone, but I also understand that there's some parts of people's journey that, the only way that they seem to be able to learn these lessons is, is 
the hard way or firsthand experiences or whatever. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that's, that is too, the the dark side of the, um, complementarianism in a lot of marriages, which is the, you know, wives always submit yourselves to your husbands, which is that, um, it can create a power dynamic where sex isn't mutual anymore. And, uh, an unhealthy male, um, can escalate, um, escalate the sexual relationship in a way that is is fails to be mutual and and the woman doesn't feel empowered to say um yeah this is this is not this isn't good for me anymore or that's not going to be good for me um and so i have worked with some people who have been on the on the the receiving end of some you know some spousal abuse because mm. the system said that she wasn't allowed to say no. Mm. Well, it would even be considered uh, sinful or disobedient to God to say no, in fact. Yeah. Which is a horrible thing to carry it. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That, that makes my stomach just turn to imagine that mm-hmm. you're, you're so right there. And the interesting thing is that there are a lot of women on the planet that, they don't think in terms of that wouldn't be good for me because again, as people pleasers, they're taught to try to figure out what everybody else needs. But if she can at least get to the place where she can know that I don't think that would be good for us. I don't think that that would be good for how I view you. I'm afraid that I would lose respect for you. I'm afraid that I would lose interest in you. I'm afraid that that would be devastating to our marriage that at least be honest about those feelings. Even if you don't feel as if standing up for yourself, as an individual is something that you are empowered to do yet, but gosh, I would want every woman to get to a place where she is empowered to stand up for herself and say, this is what I'm as a sexually confident wife. This is what I'm willing to do. And an exercise that I frequently have people do is draw a playground with a fence around it and label everything inside that fence that you're comfortable with. That is your playground, but everything outside of the, fence the stuff that you don't feel as if would be good for you or good for you guys as a couple label it and come to an agreement about the plethora of things that you can enjoy because i think that sometimes people just want to focus on what they can't have and then it becomes the goal true this i love that you said that shannon because i think um we can get so obsessed with the goal and have an idea what that looks like that we forget what it's actually about so um a new distinction I'd like to put out there is something that I've tried. Um, I have this sexual fantasy of a threesome. <laughs> Nate and two women. Oh, surprise, wow. How surprise. crazy. A man has a surprise, threesome. Surprise. <laughs> yeah. So, like, I... And I... Um, and I I brought this uh, fantasy to uh, to Europe, where I, I attended an event which which allowed some tantra workshops in it. And inside one of the Tantra workshops, it was, you know, it was like a fantasy workshop exercise. And I know you do a lot of this as well, uh, Shannon. Um, And so I decided to bring my threesome fantasy into this Tantra workshop. And this Tantra workshop, let me draw a picture for you guys. It's a lot like a Bible study without looking at Bibles. And we do the same type of icebreaker activities. So this is not a place of, you know, taking off our clothes and having sex on one another with, with, 
incense around. Not that at all. Um, and when we're in this space, you know, we we had an opportunity to offer our fantasies out in the open, and then we worked with it, so to speak. You know, so um, someone else there had the fantasy of being with multiple women. Um, so, so my um, uh, the teacher of that class of that workshop, she would bring a guy up and have. Uh, two women stand next to him and have him feel into that energy. And like, what is it here that you're really after? What, what's the medicine here that you're getting? So the conversation, what I realized is that by expressing the fantasy, I wasn't really after the fantasy. I was after that type of conversation. And I had to travel around the world to, to see that. I had to realize, oh, maybe I don't need to have a, a threesome with my wife. I just wanted to talk about, you know, that interest and what it gives and there are there are ways we can experiment and play with that that doesn't even look like sex it's just like two women sitting on either side of me um at a restaurant and just acknowledging it and not keeping it as a secret and and entering that into the conversation and 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 express what you are getting or not getting you know and i think people will be surprised how much of that fantasy they do not want how much of that fantasy they cannot handle and um and what I've found is that when someone's willing to allow that conversation to happen, instead of responding first with rigidness and like, oh, what does this mean? How far you want to go? If you respond to that, like, really? Well, um, let's, you know, what would be a small step of that? And what, what can you get from that? I think you'd be surprised that a lot of guys or a lot of people holding these fantasies will start to stumble and kind of like, oh, I well, let's, let's, let's see. I don't know. I never thought about that before because we go right to the sexual fantasy without realizing, you know, what it emotionally means, what it, what it means to our own personal stories. There's so much to gain by talking about it without the expectation of doing it. And it's, it's in that space. I felt the fullness of God's grace in that conversation space alone. I've wept down in tears just feeling like, oh my goodness, I can talk about this. And, and we're in Eden in conversation alone. And that's fantastic. As long as we feel that Eden at some point, that's what we're really after. That's what we're really needing. To be seen, to see another without their judgment. And you'll see that the sex is the byproduct of that sweet heaven. That's my opinion. So can I lift a veil to... Yeah to like really decipher this for everyone? Please. (laughs) So the fantasy of two women um, being sexual in your presence is a very common fantasy for both men and women. Um, But I want you to imagine, well, I, I, I came across this when I was researching for my book, The Fantasy Fallacy, that the fantasy of watching two women be intimate with each other is often a reflection of your own personal fear of intimacy because like we don't always know what I'm going to take it from your perspective, Nate, as a man, as a man, if you felt a lack of confidence of knowing what a woman needs or desires, which based on how you've described your marital dynamic, I think that that was, it's probably safe to say that there was a confusion and a bewilderment there for you to figure out what is it? What is the magic recipe? What, what's, how do I wave this magic wand to get her to open up and to blossom and to share with me and that sort of thing. So watching two women be intimate with one another, it's kind of a, a way of voyeuristically learning what does a woman really need because who better to teach a woman than another woman. So 
if that's the fantasy that mirrors the fear of intimacy is watching two women be totally intimate with one another, it totally makes sense that your experience of simply being in the presence of two women and just having conversations and bonding and connecting emotionally, that that fills you up more so than even if you had walked in a room and had sex with these women because you were experiencing genuine intimacy with them. Intimacy does not have to come in the form of genital contact. Intimacy is into me see. So for you to be able to sit there and enjoy the company and presence of two women, like I love hearing how that fulfills you in a way that you can totally feel good about and there's no guilt and there's no shame and there didn't need to be inhibition about your need to be in the presence of, of two women. Does that make sense? Wow. Um, yeah. And, and that supports the theory that I've had for years is that behind every sexual longing, there's an even deeper spiritual longing. And what you're describing is that people were getting that spiritual need met in that way. And I think that, I don't know, is it because America is such a uh, (laughs) puritanical and often distorted uh, culture that we try to sexualize everything? We assume that if we want to experience some sort of deep, intimate thing with someone, having sex is the only way to get it. And it's like, actually, no, it's, that's, that's actually a really great way to mess it up. But having like, I, I can declare that there are some people in my life, there are some relationships that I have that what we have is far deeper than if we were just having sex with each other, that there's like a, a, a primal desire in every human being to truly feel known and accepted and loved and cherished and respected and celebrated by another human being. And when you have that with people, having sex with them just kind of seems like, well, that would be taking a lot of steps back. It doesn't seem as if it would be taking steps forward. Let's take a quick break. We'll be right back. Hey ladies, let me ask a few bold questions. What would it look like for you to become a sexually confident woman? Someone who loves touching and being touched with no guilt, shame, or inhibition? Are you ready to experience the kind of deep inner healing that could make that possible? Would you like to experience a passion for your husband like you've never had before? Or if single, would you like to make peace with your past and attract a truly healthy partner? If these questions pique your interest, then consider attending a Woman at the Well workshop with our very own Shannon Etheridge, yay! Author of 22 books and relationship coach extraordinaire. Learn more by going to shannonetheridge.com and clicking the workshops link. Each four-day intensive is limited to eight to ten pre-screened participants, so act now and reserve your spot today. Excellent. Yeah, and I'm, I'm glad you said that because I, I had an experience that was very important just being among uh, two friends um, that was intimate, not not... I meant emotionally intimate, and I could feel the difference between that and operating without being sincere. And you know, so I'll just explain what happened. Um, we were we were attempting to do um, a shoot, uh, like a photo shoot, and we had to build some comfort before we went to the photo shoot. So um, I'm working with two tantra practitioners, and we did some breathing exercises before we did it. So we did the breathing exercises and then we kind of kind of shared any anxieties before going in. And it was just a fantastic way to start. And I was so nervous going into that space that 
um, after we did those exercises and I was reminded that I was there with friends, we were holding hands and I, I just felt myself really dropped it. I felt myself drop into their safety. I, I felt how they as a couple were helping me see how it was okay uh, with me to be there. And I also felt myself being okay with myself being there. And, um, and all that was, all that was going to happen was just that we're just there hangouts to take some pictures and such. Um, but I did feel inside my body, um, I felt an opening and I felt, I felt love. And with love, when you feel that pure love, there's also that limitless, that limit, limitness, limitlessness. That's what I mean. The limitlessness of love, when you let that fully in, is scary. It's a scary thing. And and that tiny beat alone, when you when I sit when I was sitting down to hold hands with them, uh, to take pictures, it alarmed me. It scared the hell out of me, realizing that oh, this love that could happen. What if they did more in front of the camera? And what what would happen to me? And all of these things, the the limitless nature of love. Um, it just became a total shock. There, there was no expectation for it to go anywhere else. Anywhere else, but the, I just, I, I, I'm, I lost my shit. I got <laughs> scared. It's like a spiritual orgasm. Yeah, and it, nothing was happening yet. It was just all the possibilities, and I wanted to get the hell out of there. And 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 I was just realizing, wow, we're just here to to take pictures. All of a sudden, I reached that part of of comfort, knowing it wasn't, it didn't need to go beyond that. But then feeling the love and how limitless love could be, I was reacting off of that higher thing. I was reacting off of the, the infinite possibilities. Um, and there's a clear distinction between reacting off of what is truly endangering you and reacting off of you know, the impossible that you haven't seen yet. Two distinct fears. It's confronting your fear. And if fear of intimacy has been a theme in many years of your life, I can only imagine what an elixir, genuine intimacy, truly feels like to you. That yeah. maybe, maybe the Beatles really did know what they were talking about. Dun, 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 dun. All you need is love. <laughs> right, right. Or yeah, it's not all you need is sex. Your hand <laughs> and I want to hold your hand, hand and confront my fear of intimacy. <laughs> I'm sure that that was the fifth verse that never made it. Yeah, the- yeah, because because the trying to slip in an extra syllable, I think, is what got it cut. Well, with with what we were just saying, I I do want to um, take advantage of this, oppor- of this opportunity to to offer an exercise out there um, that I'm currently ex- experimenting with, right? And this exercise is when we sit around circles to pray. Right when we sit around and we commune with others to pray and really drop in and commune with God and and, and with each other, um, and you know we can discuss this amongst the three of us, of course. But what I'd like to offer is to allow your sexuality to be a part of that, to allow the sexuality not to be turned on by it. Right, you're not getting it to like secretly get a turn on, but all that we keep from God, that part of us. If we include it into that prayer space as part of us, I'm curious what will happen, you know? And I'm, I'm curious if that's something that other people will feel 
if it's not brought up conversationally, people just went to pray? Or do people need to set that intention before folks pray? Will people feel an invasive energy? You know, if someone is allowing that part of them to be a part of the prayer and others aren't, I, I don't know. This is, these are areas that I think are just as important than conversations about an orgy or threesome or so forth. Inc inc incorporate that play, so to speak, in your communion with God and with others without bringing in the sexual and you'll find the same crisis. That's what I, that's my suspicion. Can I, can I say, add something to that? So for example, Please. Um, I'm, we're finishing up a Bible study. We stand up, we're holding hands. Someone says, let's hold hands. And, um, that's not like a hundred percent comfortable for me, but that's fine. But then I real, I find myself holding hands like, like I'm between two women who maybe I know them, maybe, well, maybe I don't, but I'm not, I don't normally touch them. Right. So mm -hmm. in, so I, in my neurosis, I go into my head and I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm holding hands with Amy. I'm also holding hands with Debbie and uh, Debbie's hand is bigger than Amy's hand. And, oh, Amy just moved her thumb and it kind of, it glanced across the side of my hand. And then like, and someone is actually praying, but in my head, I'm like, oh, and then like, uh, Deb's hand is warmer than my hand and oh did Deb just squeeze my hand a little bit did, did she mean to do that or oh are we squeezing are we how tight should my grip be oh wait we're supposed to be focusing on this prayer but there's all this sexual energy flowing around this circle okay we'll just pretend that no sexual energy flowed around this circle and let's go have some casserole in the fellowship hall that, that is what happens in my head every time I, we hold hands to pray. Thank you for saying that, man. Thank you so much for that saying that. Terrible. Yes. That is exactly what I feel. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the the last thing I want to put out there this season is of all the things that we've been talking about. Yeah, you know, the umbrella of desire has been yeah you know, the theme of all of these shows that we have done. I hope that what people have heard is that desire isn't unholy. And what you described, Brian, and like Nate a second ago, you were like, you know, well, you can experience something and it's not like we're getting turned on. But from what Ryan just described, you know what? Even when we just hold someone's hand to pray, sometimes there can be a certain energy level that is discombobulating and distracting, but that is not unholy. Our desire, our need for human touch and connection. There is nothing more beautiful and holy and pure. It reminds me, um, I have the shrink wrap group that I've been meeting with for over 10 years. And um, the oldest one is in his 80s. The next one is in his 70s. Uh, a lady is in her 60s and I'm in my 50s. So very intergenerational mix of people. Once a month, we get together historically and just, you know, counseled each other. That's why we call it shrink wrap. It's a bunch of counselors who sit around and counsel each other, shrink or talk about our yeah. bunch of shrinks talking about their own problems. But one of them, his wife died about a year ago and he was sharing with the group how much he misses physical touch. Yeah. 
and he broke down and got pretty misty about it. But then he was like, okay, now let's move on somebody else. And I said, no, 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 time <laughs> out. And I said, get over here. I said, do you, do you mind? Get over here. And he kind of panicked just a little bit at first, but he had no resistance once he realized where this was going. And I just put the ottoman between my knees and had him sit with his back toward me. And I just rubbed his, his, his shoulders, his neck, ran my fingers through his hair, rubbed his earlobes while he just sat there and wept in the presence um, of the group. And yeah. it's like, yeah, we, we need that. We need that physical touch. It reminds me too, when I worked at a nursing home when I was like 19, I would just take a bottle of lotion in my pocket all the time. And when I sensed that a, a nursing home patient was, you know, amenable to it, I would ask if I could just rub lotion on their feet for a little bit because they need we all need physical touch and we need to experience just the exhilaration that comes with human contact. So no shame in your desires, people mm -hmm. stop, stop feeling bad about it. Stop apologizing for any energy that may go through your body. And I just, I think my highlight of this season with you guys, it has been such an amazing <laughs> wild ride this past year. Uh -huh. um, I think the things that, that stands out the most, is the energy that was palpable. You literally had to brush it away from your face while Bill Staten was in the chair between me and Nate at the Just Sex Conference. Oh, <laughs> and how Dr. Staten just called it out. He was just like, well, of course you're feeling sexual energy toward me, Nate, and something along those lines. And we were like bewildered, but we weren't gonna deny that. It's like being in the presence of someone who is so sexually confident is very empowering. And I hope that that is what this season has been all about for our listeners. I hope that by eavesdropping in on our three ways that we have going on here, our, our little threesome conversations um, and all the other conversations that we've had about everything else under the sun, I hope that people have picked up on our energy and that they have let those vibes serve them well in their own intimate relationships, both their sexual ones and their non-sexual ones. Yeah. Yeah. And, and all those who were, who were, um, I, I had, and Ryan, I think when, when we started this, when we framed it, we were aware that we'd be hitting people's triggers. And, um, and so those reactions is also, uh, a, a testament of the power that we're working with here. It's real power. Um, it's God power. Um, it's, it's love. And, not only does it open people, but when it's pure, it can really scare people and it could push people away. And if that is a reaction that you're having to listen into it, that's a, that's good to know that you're reacting so acutely to something because it's telling you something. And, and sometimes just closing it off is not the best way to learn from it, but to kind of listen into um, what it is that, that is, is scaring you. And so our heart here with Shannon, Ryan, and myself is to present is to present these subjects in a way where, you know, it's easier to hear than to be in in person. So we hope we've created something something safe here for you guys to listen to. And even if it is alarming, um, you always have the safety of distancing yourself or or turning it off or just kind of saving it to a conversation with you and your loved one, which is what we want you guys to do. So um yeah, thanks for saying that, Shannon. It's very good to yeah. know how to hold this. Well, and the, and the title of the podcast is Touch. And mm. it's that point of contact with another person, um, with your God, 
that where what we feel like what we say are our beliefs or in our values, what we hope is our behavior and our ethics, all of that, um, that the all of, in our in our ability to become intimate with another person and be intimate with ourselves and be able to show our true selves um, in public is um, you know comes to bear when we have genuine contact with another person and um, and and a lot of what we've talked about on this episode has to do with and, and the whole the whole podcast but the last episode in this episode about um, you know being touched touching another person and experiencing the intimacy that Shannon was just talking about. Mm. Mm, this is a good one. We, took, we jumped to some big ones. Yeah. I mean, there's more to jump into it too. Hopefully, um, when you look at this season as a whole, because we have what, 24 episodes total, yep. something along those lines, there will be plenty to, like we always tell people, chew up the meat and spit out the bones. My <laughs> prayer is that there is so much more meat and there might be a few bones that you need to spit out, and that's fine. There, you know, any conversation is going to have that for people. Um, but I hope that I have uh, been. All right, let me start that over. Let me, I'll let you edit that, Brian, because I didn't mean to say I meant to say we. I hope that we have the. So I hope that we have provided lots and lots of meat for people to chew on and digest, and that it nourishes their soul. In their relationships and i'm really excited about what you guys have going on i can't wait to to keep listening to other episodes and hearing who else you have on the show and thank you guys for trusting me uh, to sit in the co-pilot seat with you guys um it, it really has been a wonderfully wild ride and i'm very grateful absolutely we could not have gone as far as we have with a lot of these things without you we needed the leadership of confident feminine sexuality and we found it and yeah, yeah we couldn't be more pleased oh we've loved having you on the show shannon this season thank you for lending your expertise and your your passion and your heart for sexuality and couples and it's been really wonderful we're it, this is gonna be exciting as we as the podcast moves forward um and the topics continue to change we will for sure make a plan to have you back on the show um both to catch us up with what's going on in your life and as for your expertise i mm -hmm. hope so i would always welcome an opportunity to reconnect with you guys anytime yep yep yep, yep, yep. And just want to remind ladies that if you are interested in attending a Women at the Well workshop, we just published the fall dates. There are several options to choose from, both in Lexington, Kentucky and in Tyler, Texas. Or if you're a couple and want to reach out to me for uh, couples intensive or just um, an hour or two at a time over the telephone or via Skype or whatever, I hope you won't hesitate to reach out at shannonetheridge.com. This has been a great season of Touch Podcast. We are so grateful for all of you out there who've been listening and sharing the episodes with your friends. And we've really enjoyed this. And we look forward to doing it again. But it is time to wrap this one down. This is Nathan Navarro. This is Ryan Clark. And this is Shannon Etheridge. And we really do mean it when we say we love you, we for, love listening. you for listening. We love you for listening.
Bye. 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 Bye.